welcome to the Wayfinders Podcast. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing well. How are you? That's a very deep and ominous voice. <laughs> well, that's the second part of our uh, podcast, so we're going to start off right where we left. Where we left. <laughs> Just hit, hit the ground running. I didn't think we left the last one so deep and ominous. No, we were deep, that's yeah. for sure. How about you, Taryn? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Well, if you're half as good as you look, then you're going to be in trouble. Oh, boy. Okay. So, we, we left off, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know. Are you hitting on me there? Only if I'm looking you in the eyes. Oh, okay. damn, I did it. Okay. <laughs> There's definite eye contact. So much eye contact. No, I, we were talking last time about the, uh, and I, I think I kind of glommed onto it, the, the whole idea of shadow and kind of which is both the mechanism of injury and also one of the things that as, as first responders, as veterans, and, and those who have experienced trauma uh, are really confronted with, although it's something I think all people have. But what that leads, I think, for for this uh, this next chapter, which I'm really excited about, is and now what? What does that mean? Okay, so so how, when when you're experiencing these traumas, when you've when you've gone through, when you've seen these things, when you've done these things, and you can't undo them, you can't unsee them. You you you, you can't go back asleep. You you can't undo that. You can't untake that pill. So you know, I, I'd ask uh, I'd ask yourself actually, Jack, about how 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 did you find on your journey, and and what are you trying to um, pass forward, and what are the lessons that you learned? So uh, first, uh, sort of pick up from where you left off about uh, you can't unsee sort of what you've seen. You can't go back to sleep, um, and uh, that has actually been described over the centuries. And one of uh, the uh, allegories uh, was uh, made by Plato. He had uh, the allegory of the cave, and uh, in this cave, um, there's projections. There's uh, actually a fire. And the workers behind the fire would uh, project images onto uh, a wall. And below the wall, where there was a bunch of prisoners in chains. And um, they had been there since birth. And that's sort of symbolic, and it can be applied even today. Like, you look at uh, the news and the echo chambers of social media, you know, how we're taught through the education system. You know, we're given projections, and uh, we're not really exposed, you know, to this... um, type of trauma and the type of uh, realities which we are instantly faced with, faced with death, these different things in the first responder military realm. So that's sort of how I relate that. This is applicable to a layperson. Uh, it's applicable to, to anyone who has chains on them. And that chain is uh, symbolic of the illusion that we go through. And um, it's said in this allegory that you can remove those chains and you can... Um, Go into the light, so to speak. You can go outside the cave, but in that, there's this moment where it's fearful, you know, and you you have to walk into this unknown. You have to challenge and confront your shadow, that deep part of yourself, that that abyss, and you can um, choose to go back and put the chains back on. You can choose that. That's available to anybody. Um, But embarking on the hero's journey is going to the great beyond, going out into the light and actually leaving your environment. And, um, you know, I think uh, Gaber Mate said it best. You know, he said recovery means that something was lost, to recover something. You know, so it's something that's always been there. You know, we've always been that prisoner within our own right. And, you know, we've uh, 
whether that's a prison of your mind or your body with illness, different things. But um, ultimately, it's uh, embarking on that hero's journey of, of stepping in, um, going to the... It, it's answering the hero's call, the, the call to adventure, and saying yes to that. You, you know, that, that one thing that reminds me of is, is recognizing you may have an injury or, or, or acknowledging when there was a trauma. Um, I know very often in the policing world, you go from trauma to trauma, and you don't often get a chance to recognize uh, and acknowledge what it is that you experienced and then, and then, and then move past it. And that's one thing I've recognized uh, in my growth um, is, first of all, recognizing that you probably had an injury or something you need to deal with. And I know now, if you would have been able to uh, process that in a healthy way, you probably would have been able to be more resilient, uh, you know, moving forward with more trauma. Yeah, and even uh, I think one of the areas where uh, any institution could do a lot better with its personnel is to let the personnel know what a normal reaction is to an abnormal situation. And Absolutely. it's just like Paul said, in the service, you just jump from trauma to trauma to trauma, and then you hang up your uniform, you go home, you, you don't process it, you go back to work the next day, and, and it's just, it's the same thing over again. And, and one of the things I think that people need to understand about PTSD is you can have one critical incident that throws you down the path, or you can have all these sort of micro incidences along the way that put you on the path of, of PTSD. And, uh, you know, like on, on, on my end, I, uh, I do a presentation, we were talking about this off air, called Kintsugi. And, and the message that I, I work hard at sharing is, uh, for those that don't know, Kintsugi is a traditional um, Japanese art form. So when they're firing pottery in a kiln, sometimes part of the kiln is too hot and the pottery cracks. North American culture would look at a broken piece of pottery and say, well, that's broken, and they would just discard it. Uh, but in Japan, they look at that as an opportunity, so they take that broken piece of pottery and they fix all the cracks with gold, and that pottery now becomes um, priceless. It becomes a work of art. And, and that's the message that I work hard at sharing to everyone, not only first responders, we've all suffered trauma. We've, we've all been cracked somehow. Uh, and, and the goal is to fix those cracks and then that will make you a, a priceless person out there. So the trauma you've, you've received um, can be negative or you can look at it as, well, when I fix this, uh, it's a work of art when I'm done. Yeah. Well, I, to me, when I, when I hear, and, and I love that, uh, that metaphor, and even when you're talking about, about the hero, hero's journey, you know, all of these, because we speak in metaphor, we're trying to speak in these uh, visuals, we're trying to speak to it. But when when I hear those things, I, I, I go back to when I was my most damaged, when I was my most broken. You know, I, I'm, 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 in the, I'm in the superheated kiln and I've shattered and I'm, I'm on the ground and I'm, I'm worthless. There's nothing there for me. And someone says, well, you got to go on the hero's journey go fly and go f yourself because I, I i i i'm 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 broken i'm worthless i'm shattered there's, there's nothing there and i think there's there for me there's there's really two things how to reach that person who's who's in on the floor there saying it will get better and there are examples and there are some you know some of the best examples i have are sitting around this table but there's also a thing that you need, you can do you can pre-arm someone pre get to them first saying You've already embarked upon the hero's journey when you put on the uniform in the first place or you step out the door. 
you know, and, and, and you're exactly right. You don't make it through this life without getting a few cracks. It doesn't matter what you've chosen to do for life. The minute you step up and get up in the morning, you're going to get a crack because the world's tough. So pre-arming someone, that, that, that's building up that tank of resiliency, you know, yeah. give, giving them that warrior's mindset, the proper warrior's mindset, which isn't just about to go destruction, but to actually be master of self. And then I think the second one is, is you know, and, and maybe I'd, I'd ask, you know, around the table, how are you, re- how do we reach people when they're on, on the floor, when they're shattered, when they're, when they're that kind of broken? Well, I, th- I think, um, and it was, it was remarkable to hear you say, you know, when you were at your worst, you were broken, you were useless. Um, so I think that's the first step. If, if, if anyone's listening to this podcast and, and they're there, right, where they, they think that they're broken and they're useless, you're far from being useless at that point, right? It's, it's the idea of, like, you recognize that you're broken. You recognize that you're hurt. Now just reach out and, and start the path of, of, of fixing those cracks. And I think that that's the first step is, is to recognize where you're at and then reaching out and the reaching out phase i can tell you firsthand is is absolutely the hardest first step yeah, to do absolutely well it, it's an overwhelming step and maybe, and maybe that's also the thing about you know that the line i learned when i was in africa how do you eat the elephants one step one bite at a time you know when you're taking a look okay and and you know really taking a, meta, a metaphor far with this uh, uh with the broken pot you're not making the pot back to whole in a day it's and and, and and this and, and that kasugi there it's a very laborious process very deliberate shard by shard piece by piece and you're and you're putting it back together and that's you may have been shattered in a moment or even been over a longer period but no matter what putting you back together healing those cracks and putting that that's a long laborious process but each one is worth it and you have to take a you know a measure of joy or satisfaction as each piece gets put back in there no question. I, I think at some point um, you, you have to uh, also recognize, you talk about the resiliency. When, when you start to feel those things and, and they catch up on you, um, what are the good things you can do to overcome uh, you know, and, and have those things settle so they don't become permanent? Because you can have somebody in an absolute mess on the floor, um, quite obvious they need some help. Um, but one thing I'm thinking... That person, it's like it's like when you have a horrible back injury, or you have to call the medics, or you think finally I'm going to go see a chiropractor because the pain is so bad. At some point, you know you're going to hit the wall, and and you're not going to get up this time. Right. And, and at that point, you're the puddle on the ground, and you're and you're going to have to seek medical help. Right. And I think uh, looking at that from uh, the biopsychosocial perspective, you know your biology has been in fight or flight for so long. And, uh, you know, dopamine, serotonin receptors have been maxed out from these high-stress, hypervigilant environments. You know, and then the, psychos- you know, the psychological aspects of going through that type of thing and trying to process how that can happen in reality. Like, a lot of the moral injuries we see, even with, uh, you know, I'm sure different countries that you served in, but also the First Nations communities. And, you know, seeing how in our own backyard... There can be such oppression and such poverty and such yeah. addiction and such social issues. Absolutely. You know, and uh, working through, you know, the biology first, you know, sorting that out, whether that's prescription medications, whether that's, you know, um, yoga, meditation, sensory deprivation chambers, those sorts of things. I think that's important. The, the mental 
working through the moral aspects and that's where a therapist and peer group or you know yeah. a good support can be really helpful getting a tribe of wellness well we we, we know that certainly you have to seek medical uh, attention when you're um suffering from a, a mental injury that's that significant and you typically want to go see your family doctor and potentially go see a psychologist and and work through those references and and there's going to be opportunity for a psychiatrist to give medication that's your typical route mm-hmm. um, but of course we're knowing much more now that there's there's many other things that you can engage in um, you know to be well and to reach that growth and it's not just for that person who uh, who really hits the wall it's very important for that person to recover in a very structured way um, but what we're offering and what we're discussing too are all those those interesting things like the equine therapy and drum and circle, drumming circle that we uh, we experienced last night. The uh, the peer support when it comes to um, really interacting and sharing uh, stories of growth and difficulties with with your peers. Right, and I think uh, you know, that that actually transitions into the last factor. That's the social perspective. You know, knowing that you can be social, there are other people out there who have uh, sort of went through what you've went through because in a the first responder military culture, you know, it's um, it's a very sort of rigid culture that, you know, you don't show vulnerability. You have to really put on that mask and that uniform and, you know, well, compartmentalize a lot. Let, you let know? me ask you this. And in, in, in the times we, you were um, injured and, and maybe were suffering inside, what was it that held you back, um, you know, from sharing that or from... From, from reaching out for help in your environment as a, let's say, as a medic? So it would have been the stigma. I yeah. feel like I would have gotten questioned uh, my ability to perform my duties, which is ultimately like, you know, many times lives were on the line. We also had to calculate medication dosages. We had to, like, maintain this high level of competency, which everybody in the first responder, military realms, they have to because literally your life or others' lives might be on the line. So, you know, you don't want to come forward and show those cracks. What did you fear if you came forward to the people that you worked with or your management? How would they treat you or would there be repercussions? And, and that's sort of what I felt. I felt like as soon as I came forward, um, you know, working for a private service and they sent me up to, you know, one of the worst, roughest reserves in freaking Canada. And uh, I had an infant death three months into the job. And that tore me apart. I didn't feel like I was properly equipped. And, you know, they sort of gave out the option to see a priest. And I'm like, I more relate to Buddhism and Taoism and these Eastern religions even back then, right? So I was like, nope, not going to do that. Uh, Is that really? And I asked for time off. And since it's a private service, it's like, nope, sorry. You can't take a week off. That's... uh, have to show up for your rotation so you know i learned very early in my career that oh i can't be human i can't you know is it fair to say they didn't know what to do with you right and i think that's the thing people usually just quit like the the life expectancy or career expectancy rather yeah for a paramedic is like three to five years you know and i I know that in dealing with uh some of the other medics that we work we've got some poster children of success you know at jessica vanderhoek does uh Prairie Sky Equine Assisted Therapy. We we have a common friend with Teresa Coulter who has done a variety of different positive things and discussions with medics is very often they don't get the support and they uh, they uh, they end up quitting. Um, T- Taryn, 
what was it like for you if you had to share with your peers that you you suffered from uh, <coughs> yeah let's say a mental weakness let's call it that yeah that's a that's a interesting topic I was actually thinking about that while everyone was talking as uh, we were addressing you know what we do afterwards but for people that might be listening some of these people still might be serving in the military. They're not, they're not necessarily veterans. They're not necessarily retired from the police or, or EMT or EMS or fire. And they're still in those positions. And uh, yeah, I remember a couple times, uh, not myself necessarily, but uh, the way uh, a typical morning is, is you get to work at, say, 7.30, and you're forming up at 8 o'clock. And so forming up, you're, everyone that's that you work with is in ranks together and you do a roll call, make sure everybody uh, is present. And then anybody who's not present, there's usually somebody who has account for them. And there's been multiple times where I can remember so-and-so is, is not here. And Sarge says, okay, where, where is he? And somebody will say, oh, he's at, the, he, he's at the, the happy doctors or, you know, already condensation terms, terminology for somebody that's going to try and seek help to, to get better. They've acknowledged it. And, uh, Dr. Bonkers. Yeah, that yeah, right off the bat, that sends a message to, to everyone that if you show uh, vulnerability or acknowledgement for your, your own uh, self, uh, self injuries that you have, um, that you're weak. And, and that's kind of the, that's the message that's kind of put across. Was, was there ever a time that you, you guys actually talked about post-debrief actual shit, feelings? Stuff, stuff you actually, uh, like, like to kind of talk that shit out? Or is it uh, too, too much of a, uh, uh, an environment that doesn't welcome that? Uh, I, so I, I think it's, it depends on the situation. It really depends on leadership. Leadership is huge. If you have leadership that ha- has been through it, they may, they may already be dealing with that stuff. They may know how to deal with guys who are, are just coming back from a firefighter or a tick, and they're know dealing with the first bullets that just whiz by their head and personally i can't really speak to leadership but bryce is in that was in that position of, you know you know i and, and that's and that's a really tough one you know we, we talk about that you know about the the need of the service you know like if, if you're on the call and you're you're breaking in the door or you're in the middle of a of a, a combat game face is on um I'll speak. I, I got two different instances in, in mind. One was when um, a good friend of mine, uh, Andy Nettle, uh, was killed uh, just on, uh, on the 23rd of December. And I won't go into any of those details, but the explosion happened uh, in the uh, mid-afternoon. We got the debrief, and uh, my sergeant came and woke me up at around, this would have been 2 in the morning. He comes and gently grabs my leg. You know, It's always dangerous waking a soldier because I slept with a pistol under my pillow. They woke me up and uh, told me the news, and uh, I, I started crying right away. He, you know, and he was a sergeant. He, you know, I, I knew I was in trouble because he addressed me by my first name. I never went by my first name when I was overseas, not once. I was just sir. Um, they gave me a hug, called me my first name, and then uh, the guys got me on, and, I, and the army got me to go, uh, and I got to be on the ramp ceremony and carry my friend home. But I was back at work. I, they flew me back to patrol base. I was on patrol that night hunt, hunting bad guys that evening, um, and there was no time for that. No time to process uh, your no, feelings no, and absolutely not. But then, yeah, yeah. but there was a, there, there was an immediate chance for that. But then I flipped that on its other side. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, one of my troops, um, he, uh, one of his buddies uh, got, uh, was killed. He was in Delta Company. And um, we knew he was really close. They were really close. Um, and, uh, yeah, shattered. Took, we took him off. We, uh, you know, he got, he got, he, we gave him the, the space to be vulnerable and to, and, and, you know, we gave him, a, you know, we hugged, you know, told him, you better cry right now. Like, get it out. This is, this is horrible. I don't be a, and, and, and we told him, and we, and we, it didn't take much coaxing. He just said, process be, it. Be human. For, it wasn't even we use the word process. Just get it out. Cause you're no, yeah. going to be no good to us until you exercise that. But as soon as you got that initial bile out, put your game face back on. I think that's part of the thing. Like, I look back at how I treated my troops. I, you know, I, I was human to them, but I still had the good of the service. So as, as soon as they got enough of the other, okay, buck, buck it up, ball it up. We got to, we got to get going. And even, even when we got back overseas, like it would, I don't know how to carve that space out for the guys who are serving. Tell you the honest truth. I don't know how to do that other than what we we're already speaking to, and that's building up that pre-resiliency that, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I agree with you. Um, and it's about giving the tools to the, to the soldiers or, or the whoever, whoever it is that's, you know, working. It doesn't matter. You just, we're not given those tools. We're not, um, we're not explained to you. Like you said, we're not explained how to um, handle a crisis situation in the aftermath. We're just kind of, Go ahead. Well, I, I, I'm actually just, just being, you know, I was thinking about this. Would I have still signed up? Like, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to see some serious shit. And I was thinking about this. Like, no one would have to tell me that. I knew I was going to see horrible shit. I knew it was going to be bad. As a matter of fact, I remember the first time we uh, we came across some guy that there, you know, I won't go into the, the, the details. Something really bad happened to a bad guy. V- very graphic. And I remember we looked over. Well, that's going to stick with me forever. You going to have nightmares? Totally going to have nightmares. Ha, 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 nightmares. And we carried on. Guess what I had? I saw that again. Well, and even, you know, uh, Paul and I would always joke. It was our joke in the car where we'd see some something shitty and we'd look at each other and be like, well, you never never saw that on a recruiting poster. <laughs> right? <laughs> I know. Um, and then, Time and time again, you just can't create that. Or you go into this, this movie scene that just no movie producer would ever think that. It, yeah, so I, I just want to add to that. So the part about, you know, what happens to the soldier when when they get that that uh, certain event or that trauma that happens yeah. uh, in theater? Yeah, you just do an about turn and you go back to work and and you deal with that later. Uh, I had the unique unique opportunity, I'll, I'll say, um, that while I was I came home a little bit early from from tour, everybody still was still over there, and uh, while I was home, and I had the unfortunate. Uh, uh, opportunity of being uh, a pallbearer for one of my friends who got killed while we were overseas, and it's it's a different experience because uh, when you're overseas and you know somebody gets killed, you go, you line up on the tarmac, you send them on their on the uh, the airplane, and and you do an about turn, and that's it. That that's where that's where the trauma stops for the soldier. They don't get to see the aftermath. So I had you know the unfortunate. Uh, opportunity to go and, and, and I was on the other end of the receiving party. I, I helped, you know, a, my friend off the airplane. You saw it through. Saw it through. And you get to see the, the other side where you see the family. You see the people that are impacted by 
what has happened overseas. Yeah, and you know that's that's another exposure too. Um, that that that's a very uh, impactful way of personalizing it and 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 having it last with you. Uh, you know, in in another way, perhaps even more traumatizing or in a play. Uh, certainly, uh, you need to process it another way. And um, I guess I'm kind of wanting to bring up how is it because we've 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 asked. But now we can really start to uh, narrow in on it. How is it that we access these people who are hard to access? That, you know, not just the ones that are a, a pile of goo on the floor that are quite clearly in need of medical help and, and quite likely, I know, with uh, with my service, are going to reach out to psych- psychological services and get some support. There's a, a great amount of, uh, uh, of of help there. But before they're, they're really that pile of goo, you know, after... They experience something like you said, Tyrion, and, and, and you'll process it later. Well, when is it that you process it, and how does it you do it in a healthy way? And I think being able to reach those people um, that are serving, to be able to know that there's ways of becoming resilient and being that warrior now. So uh, equine therapy, yoga, meditation, uh, one of the biggest things that uh, I know we can do is breathing. Uh, we can breathe as a warrior, but also we can reset um, and, and, and manage our you know, our, our mindset with, uh, with the same sort of techniques. Well, I, I mean, for, for me, when we're uh, bringing this home on a, on, a, on a positive note, is there's these, there are some tool sets. I think as a starting spot, though, is exactly what I'm seeing around this table is don't listen to the lie that you're alone. Don't listen to the lie that you're weak. Don't listen to the lie that there's that this is as good as it's going to be that all those are our lies that what you're going through is legitimate it's real it's normal and it, and it's valid and that there are people who have gone through it before you and have come out the other side and if one man can do it another man can do it so there's no reason to say that you can't have your best life still ahead of you and i think all of those tool sets that we are offering here or that GAF is offering, or that all the different myriad of, of, of really good programs are being offered, is that whatever strikes you, whatever grabs you, listen to that voice and just say yes. You know, I, I, I always say, the, the line that I always stuck with me is, the, is the, uh, from a sergeant who saved my life. And he just said, be brave one more day. Say that every morning. And then put up your hand. Find your fire team partner, and if you don't have a fire team partner, well, you can look us up on the web. Absolutely, there's there's more hope out there now that there is because we're bringing all the resources together, and and uh, you know we can find us at wayfinderswellness.ca, and we're all over social media with uh, um, Facebook, uh, a lot of our current activities and and uh, the things that we're doing there to uh, promote mental health wellness, quite accessible for everybody. And anything from you, John? Yeah, and and. The thing I want to touch in on here is don't believe the lie of the stigma. Yeah, yeah. Because we we cultivate that our, that lie in ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're worried about reaching out because we're worried about what our coworkers are going to think or we're going to worry about oh our spouse can't see me hurting and and we we create that stigma. It is it's, it's only inside of ourselves and and we're lying through ourselves to the whole process. So the idea behind, you know, the stigmas reach all the way from the police service to your house to the way society looks at you. 
but that's your only that's your perception of that stigma so the moment that you feel oh i can't do this because i'll look weak um you're lying to yourself on that the, the, the spouse would be more than happy for you to reach out uh your your partner at work or in the service is more than happy to see you become a healthy person again so if we're inflicting the stigma we're only inflicting it on ourselves thank you very much for that that's a great point I'd like to uh, share a quote by uh, Hafez that speaks to that. And uh, it goes, I wish I could show you when you're lonely or in darkness, the astonishing light of your own being. And, uh, you know, for that quote, it, uh, it's just sort of a reminder that in your darkest hours, there's still light within you. And uh, there's a lot of people who really care about you, you know. And uh, I think that's uh, the biggest thing with uh, programs like this is, you know, it's increasing access. It's making, it's normalizing recovery. And it's uh, really bringing a lot of attention to, uh, you know, some solutions out there that you won't necessarily find in the conventional Western medicine system. So uh, I think it's all complementary, you know. It is. And then and really that's the secret of what Wayfinders is trying to do is, is drop the stigma, raise the uh, awareness uh, of mental health. I mean, we're certainly um, an example of uh, people who can re reach exponential growth and who have tapped into a variety of different things. Some things that have worked for me, some things uh, I've, I've experienced that uh, I'd rather leave, um, but I've, I've become a better person. And I know that the team at Wayfinders is always prepared and currently uh, showing a variety of different things. So we want to make sure that we're accessible for all. So thanks for sharing. Joining the Wayfinders Podcast. Find your way. Like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Look us up on the web, www.wayfinderswellness.ca or on Facebook, Wayfinders Wellness. You're never alone.